listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. If you have anything to take notes with, you can pull that out right now. Hey, while the offering buckets are still going by, I just want to give you uh, one quick announcement, and that is that next week, everybody say next week? Next week is going to be Communion Sunday. And guys, I think that a moment like that is special. It's significant. And it's not just something that we have in our calendar. It's something where we celebrate the, the Lord's Supper together, in, and it is a spiritual moment where I believe God moves in people's lives, and it's really something as Christians we should be doing on the regular. And so I do want to invite you out next week. Of course, we're going to have a message, worship, all of that, but come and celebrate communion with us. A brand new series today called Missio Day, and I think this topic that we're going to be talking about is very apropos for where we're at as a church. Why? Because lives are being changed, because people are accepting Christ and getting baptized, because people are getting engaged with their faith like they never have in previous seasons, and you can see God's spirit on the move. You can see God is on the move at New Chapel. Amen, somebody? And, and that's so encouraging to see. There's this thrilling thing that's happening. We are on mission, and that's in the air. We can feel that. But at the same time, I think that if we were to pull people at New Chapel and be like, what does that mean to be on mission with God? I think you'd know that we are on mission, but you'd struggle to articulate what it means to be on mission, what the missio day, what the mission of God truly is. You know, when we think about our personal lives, every single one of us in the room have a mission. You have something that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, maybe that is just to get through your work week. Uh, maybe it's to raise good kids. Maybe you want to renovate a room in your house. Maybe you're trying to launch your kids into college. Or, or maybe you're trying to go back to college or, or start a business or make your business go from good to great. Anything in between. You have a mission for your life, something you're trying to accomplish. That's good. Listen, what I'm asking you is what is God's mission? What is God trying to accomplish? If you took your Bible and you flipped all the way to the first chapters of Genesis, the first part of the Bible, you would read about God in creation. Help me out, church. He says, let there be right. He says, let there be light and planets in the sky and animals in the sea. And he goes through all of these things. And each time God sees what he creates and he says, that's good. That's good. I, I like what that looks like. But then come some of the most stunning words really ever spoken in Scripture, the most, most profound things ever uttered. Let me read it for you. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Why is that so profound? Why is that shocking? Because God created man, mankind, male and female, in his image. Animals are not created in the image of God, even though you might feel God's presence when you look into creation and see the sky or you see the water, the galaxies, the planets. Nothing was created in God's image apart from mankind. 
Now, Adam and Eve, they became the image of God. In fact, we're going to visit Bible school for just a minute. Now, trust me, this isn't going to be over your head in this message. I think you're going to get this. But the image of God, that is the seminary word, imago Dei, the image of God. We were created in his image. And, and it's not that we became gods. or It's not that we were divine in and of ourselves. And at the same time, in contrast, in the image of God, his beauty and his nobility was placed on the inside of mankind. His gifts were placed on the inside of Adam and Eve, and, and his gifts are placed on the inside of you. They don't just belong to you. It's not innate to you. God gave them to you, and he gave them to you for a reason. Uh, every man that has a great gift or a great talent or is able to show some great success that is a talent on loan from God. Every great dream you've ever dreamt, every, any great dreamer that we admire, they're getting their dreams from the one who sends dreams. Any business person or preacher or, or a person that just has this thing in their heart, like, i got to do something great with my life, something great in this world, this, this, this passion that's inside of you, that's not from you. It's from God who has called himself the all-consuming fire. The thing that's in Adam that made him like a father came from God. The thing that's in Eve that made her want to be a mother came from God. The thing that makes you want to get into a good, righteous fight every once in a while in Jesus' name. Amen, New Chapel. Like, that's us. <laughs> that comes from God. That's something he put in you. And why does that all matter? The next scripture is key. Genesis 1.28. God blessed them, and he said to them, key words, be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we are created as the imago Dei, the image of God, but then he puts something on us in kind, in the same moment, in, in, in the same act of creation. You have my image, you also have my mission. Be fruitful and multiply. You have my image, very next words, now multiply. Go make more image bearers. Fill the earth, rule. In fact, when I think about this just in the natural, I think that be fruitful and multiply might be the only commandment that mankind has not screwed up. <laughs> Kai and I are doing our part. We have like 20 kids. And, and so, just saying, this church has helped many people have children. <clears throat> We are the image of God, and we have the mission of God, and God's plan was always, always to rule, reign, and lead this world with those who bore his image. Say amen. Let me tell you something. God could have done it alone. He's not short on ability. He could have solved the whole problem inside and out, but he chose for mankind to bear his image and multiply his goodness to the spot where the, the original mission was, multiply my goodness until it covers the whole earth. We think of the advent of the mission of God, especially in the evangelical circles that we're in, we think of the advent of God's mission as something that only happened when sin entered the world. But, but, but God's mission predates the fall of man. You can read it there. Be fruitful and multiply. God's mission was put into them. And at the same time, don't hear what I'm not saying. We need a Savior. We need a Jesus. When we were at our worst, God was at his best. We needed a Redeemer to step into our story. He offered us forgiveness and eternity in heaven and promises in covenant. 
But the ultimate goal, hear me, Christian, the ultimate goal of Jesus coming and, and the Christian movement was not just forgiveness. It was reconciliation to God. It was a ministry of reconciliation. He came to rescue us from our rebellion. And then what did he do? Restored us back into that relationship that Adam had with God before the fall altogether. And that is an arm-in-arm relationship, doing life, not a religion, a relationship with God. And out of that would bubble this great thing called mission. That, that Jesus, when he came, he put his people, his followers, back on mission. Restored, can I put it this way? Reborn into the great mission of God. There are four chapters in your Bible that are the most neglected in all of Scripture. Uh, the first two chapters of Genesis, they talk about uh, the creation and, and man when he was in his innocence, that is to say, mankind before he fell, sinned against God. And then the next two significant chapters that often are overlooked are the last two chapters in your Bible, Genesis 21, and Je I'm sorry, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. This is when sin is abolished and the enemy is finally defeated and we are restored into perfect fellowship with God in a new heaven and a new earth. And, and we are commissioned to multiply and continue the mission. I want to read for you a little glimpse of the future. I want to read for you a little glimpse of heaven. This is what the Bible conveys about what is to come prophetically in Revelation 21. I'm going to jump around. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then it says this, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Check this. And they will reign. Who's they? You, I, God, together in partnership. We will reign forever and ever and ever and ever without end. Now, this is man returned completely to innocence. And that's where we're all headed. That's where everything is going. You might think that everything is shaking in this world. Let me tell you something. God is not shaking. You, you, you may get a little bit shaken up. Uh, down here might be panicking. Let me assure you, Christian, God is not panicking. God is resolved, and God has a mission, and he is forcefully advancing his kingdom. You know, what we're hearing at Asbury College, I am so encouraged by. We need that. But can I tell you something? It's been happening for a very long time. During when Nebuchadnezzar and the rest of our political rulers tried to shut down this church and others in Michigan, there was a resurgence, a revival happening, a purifying of his church that was happening, a separation of wheat and, and tare and goat and sheep. Revival had been brewing. It's happening in Pakistan, in the Islamic Caliphate. 
of Pakistan, revival is breaking out. Nigeria, revival is breaking out. Revival is breaking out all over our country. Despite what the media would like to do, it is happening so strongly and nonstop at Asbury that they can't take their eyes off. They have to say it because it is so loud. It broke the algorithms and it broke pop culture. Friend, let me tell you something. That has been brewing in this country. Get used to it. Get used to the moves of God. Get used to extraordinary signs and wonders and miracles and healings and deliverance. Get used to the power of God being shown. It's going to become conventional and commonplace at churches like New Chapel. Amen, somebody? Nothing can stop the purposes of God. Nothing. No politician, no government can stop the purposes of God. And yet... The Christianity that's talked about in most churches leaves out the four chapters that make all the difference because Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22 are the only times we read about mankind with no sin, free from all of the curse, where God is walking with Adam and they're on mission. Now, sin enters into the world. I want you to imagine, though, for a minute, the world without sin. Imagine the freedom. Imagine Grand Rapids without sin. Imagine the nations of the world at peace with one another. Imagine uh, your wallet being free from sin. Some of y'all have tried and asked to baptize your wallet. I'll do it. I don't think it's going to take, you know. Imagine what 131 would be without sin. Shabba-ba-ba-ba. You know, like, imagine what Washington, D.C. would be without sin empty. (laughs) Hallelujah. Here's what I'm trying to say. For many of us, our Christianity is too small. It's too small. The Christianity being talked about in most pulpits is, is barely getting by. Oh, Pastor Joe, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I don't know. I'm just getting by. Barely made it to church. And we, we convey this, this Christianity where like the highest pinnacle of your faith is a seven-day cycle where you show up like a good doobie at church and most Americans can't even do that. That's what we're trying to convey. That's squad goals for Christianity. That's why he gave his life. Friend, we are making our Christian faith too small. You are making your life so much less than the adventure that God has for you. God has great things for you. Amen, somebody? And so we, we need to be in faith with a God who wants to move with us in the here and now, not just the God of yesterday and the things that he did before. Thank God for what we do in here at church. Thank God for the messages we have in the worship. For some of you, it's oxygen. You need that moment with God. I get it, and you need it, and it's scriptural. But what we do in here is the fuel. It is the launch pad. It is, it is, the, it is the, the staging ground for what God wants to do outside of these walls. Because God has bigger things than just you getting saved and acting right until you die. So many Christians know what you're saved from, but not what you're saved for. God has big things for you. God has a big call. And the reason why we've had a problem with sales is because too many limp-wristed, noodle-back preachers have not conveyed the great life that is after that cross. They don't convey both the cross, that it is a sacrifice, there's no such thing as buddy Jesus or cheap Jesus, and on the other end of that, with every death in Christ, it is followed by a glorious resurrection. 
that there's an adventure. I don't know if this is going to make it to the podcast, but it's good preaching. Your Jesus isn't up on that cross. Get him off that cross. Listen to me. We know that here. And we baptize, and we, we say, well, this is an outward sign of an inward work. Somebody wants to get baptized. They, they're accepted Christ, and we buried with Christ and raised to new life. Raised to new life. That doesn't, listen, here's what you're, you're, the filter is this, so I need to be moral. Yes, good. That is not just the great life that God has. The newness of life is so much more. Here's what it is. It's being fruitful and multiplying. In the context of your character and your gift set and what God has called you to do. Say amen, somebody. Yeah. We've lost our roots. This is a movement that we're a part of, not an institution. Started by 12 hippies. <laughs> the 12 disciples of, of Jesus were a bunch of country boys. You know what the Bible says about them? That they were not wise or learned men, but they had been with God. And this is a movement that was fostered and, 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 and began to burn in the fires of just normal people like you and I being in relationship with God. And, and, and it spread. It started with 12, and now there are billions of people all around the world who are, are Christ followers. Do it again, God. But here's what I'm trying to say. God doesn't want you just come here, pay your tithes, lift your hands, got one with your coffee, wave at Jesus with the other one, listen to a good message, check mark, check mark, check mark, one, two, three, nice little poem, Pastor Joe's so funny, he's just so cute, looks like a little chipmunk preaching, and you just leave. <laughs> it's not that funny. Buddy, I'm telling you, God has more. Hey, maybe God's not so afraid of the sands of the Middle East. Maybe he's not so afraid of the plains of Africa. And maybe our God is not so afraid of your workplace, in your school, in your office cubicle mate. Say amen, somebody. God gave humanity a job, a mission that he never released us from. And it started in Genesis. The advent of sin didn't take back that mission. And when sin came, what did God do? He instituted a plan to redeem man back to what? Living by design, having fidelity to what God created mankind to be. And that is, yes, in unity with him. Yes, in relationship, being born again and walking with him. All of this is true. And multiplying yourself is the imago Dei, is the image of God into other people. It was just biological before. It was just for the Jews. Hey, be fruitful and multiply. They're all high-fiving each other. I don't know. They got those little curly cues. I have no idea. And, and they're having a lot of kids. Easy to do. <laughs> and here's the idea. We're going to raise a godly lineage, we're gonna, and we're going to be fruitful and multiply. And the image of God that's in us, we're going to put into the... And they thought of it just as a biological thing. Enter Jesus, who takes this message out of just the people of God. They were first. And spreads it to everybody. Now it's not just image of God by birth. It's image of God through your recreated being. And therefore the mission of God spreads all over the earth. Say amen somebody. This world is jacked. It is messed up. It's aching and it's groaning and it's pushing and it's screaming for relief. And it's, it's birthing earthquakes and volcanoes and signs in the, in the skies. I mean... I can't even go into it, otherwise I'm going to start preaching, decoding Revelation. But listen to me. It is crying out for God. 
It is cra- and there is an end times fatigue that's brewing in the people of God. You see how just nasty the world is. They used to hide their perversion. Now they display their perversion. And if you don't accept their perversion, and if you don't let them baptize your kids into their perversion, they will come after you. And you become so just turned off by how the world is that it's so easy just to get in your huddle, in your small group. You're like, all right, we made it. Bless God. I work with a bunch of heathens. I'm so glad to be with y'all. They all suck. And so thank God I'm that's what we're like. And, and, and we run from all of that. But listen to me. All of that end times fatigue that is found in school shootings, that's found in hate and racism and fighting and bickering and small wars that are fight on social media, which is fake life, they are squelched by an activated church of Jesus Christ spreading his kingdom all over the world and multiplying all over this world. Now, God's mission started with Adam and Eve. This is true, but it didn't stop there. God's mission spread to Noah. If you remember any of the story, God was just confronted with a world of sin, confronted with a world that was polluted in their bloodlines. He had to judge the world, and when he did it, he sent a flood, but he spared Noah and his family on an ark, and that ark was, was the safety. It was the salvation, if you will. It's a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. But here's what God spoke to Noah. Maybe you've read over this in the past. You'll see it in Living Color today, Genesis 9. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Noah and his sons, Noah and his sons. See, God is a family God. He's a generational God. It's a multiplication. It's, it's, it's not just you. It's for your kids. It's for everybody. But look at it. Be fruitful and multiply. Have you ever read that before? Just breeze over it. God resets the world. He says, it's you and your family. Now be fruitful and multiply. God didn't just do it with Adam and Eve and with Noah. God also did it with Abraham. When God was dealing with Abraham, our father of the faith, the Bible calls him, The Bible was dealing with this man, and it says this in Genesis 22. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I want to do it through you and through the people of God, but it's not just to stop with you. It's not just to end with the Jewish people. Remember that. God is saying to Abraham, you are chosen. I am blessing you. Now multiply my blessing that's in you in other people. Do you see it? And it's not just Old Testament. Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham. It is with more characters in the Old Testament. But jumping to your Jesus, it says this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, where God gives his mission again to his church. Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Look at me, everybody. Jesus died on the cross at this point in the story. He he was sacrificed for our sin. He descended into Hades, into hell, the lowermost parts of the earth. He ascended bodily. He resurrected from the dead. God says, hey, they had no right to kill you. The law that said death wasn't on you. And so therefore, you are alive and bodily. Now those that make Jesus the Lord of their life, we withdraw from this world, by the way. We, through the law of identification, become changed on the inside. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. When we make Jesus the God of our life, the Lord of our life, we're born again, we're changed. But here's what I want you to see. 
All authority has been given to Jesus. He conquered. He has all of it. And then he says to you, therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. What is Jesus saying? Be fruitful and multiply. Make disciples. We think of disciples like this. I'm going to go to this Bethmore Bible study, and I'm going to learn more about what Beth has for my life. <laughs> I'm going to Beth, 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 Beth. And you, you know, she's talking about godly things. I'm not, I'm not casting shade on you, but you think of it like I'm going to go to the men's group and read that pamphlet that they call the book, but it's really a pamphlet. I'm going to read that about the armor of God, and I'm going to buff up, and I'm a disciple. You know what disciple means? It means that you're a follower of Jesus. The things that you saw him do, you do. Things that you see someone else who's leading you spiritually do, you do those things. So in other words, God did something in you, you do it in somebody else. You speak to them as the oracles of God. Can I, can I hear an amen somebody? The, in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. Noah, be fruitful and multiply. Abraham, be fruitful and multiply. Jesus, hey church, be fruitful and multiply. Jesus' great commission was the crown of God's mission. Write that down. Jesus' great commission was the crown, the apex, the, the top of the mountain on what God was trying to do in his mission. And it moves from being that biological image of God to being that spiritual change. And now all people become image bearers when they become followers of Jesus. And we can share his good news, his love for us, his plan that he's the redeemer who reconciles us unto himself, that we can be born again, that we as born again followers of God, we don't just have to barely hang on, that we can rule and reign in life as kings through Jesus Christ and spread his mission all over the world. Can we give God praise, somebody? <laughs> Pastor Joe's like taking his vitamin B this morning. I don't know. Now, many in the church have left that mission. And when we leave that mission, it's a dangerous thing because we're called to empty hell and populate heaven. And when we leave God's mission, it's dangerous and we discount what it will do to our soul. Write these down, a couple of thoughts. First thing it's going to do to you if you get off mission is God's people begin to compromise with sin. They compromise. Look no further than the Old Testament and the Israelites and in the Old Testament. When they would get off from God, get off mission, they would start to mimic the nations that were all around them, start to take in their sins and their idolatry. And by the way, not in my message, but listen to me. The United States of America is an exceptional nation. Who cares what they're doing in Canada, France, uh, any, they'd be speaking German if it wasn't for us. We are an exceptional nation called by God to spread his good news. We don't need to be like everybody else. And the Israelites didn't need to either. And when they started to be like everybody else, the sin and idolatry began to seep into their culture. What happened? They got off mission. They began to look at everything else. They began to look for the world's approval. If everything that you post on social media gets everybody's little like and high five on you, woe to you when the world loves you for they killed the prophets and they crucified Jesus. Number two, what happens when Christians get off mission? Our lives become all about sin management. 
So if the enemy can't get you with sin and living wild and living loose and doing your own thing and having your own little idolatry fest with your iPhone, what he is satisfied to do is to get you to be a religious nut, to get you to be a Pharisee, to make you all about the do's and the don'ts. Pharisees got off mission and they started navel-gazing. Oh, I don't want to do anything naughty, and I want to stay far away from that. How many steps to stay away from sin? We don't smoke, and we don't chew, and we don't go with girls who do. And Our class won the Bible. You know, like, what a bunch of little goobers. And all they wanted to do is be moral, sweet little boys. And God, i got to tell you, a lot of pulpits are filled with good little Boy Scouts. And I'm not saying go sin. Don't go sin. Tweet that. Bad English, good preaching. But it's not all about just act good. It's about God changed me, and out of that, I'm going to act good, but I'm also going to change the world. And, and if you're not careful, if you get off mission, it's all going to be about behavior modification and, and for you to be a good doobie and sin management. Our mission is not to be afraid of sin. Our mission is to bring glory to God. Amen, somebody? Number three, what happens when we get off mission? Write it down. We hate those that are, we are called to love. We hate those that we are called to love. Israel, the people of God, the people called by his name. Now Jesus comes, he raises from the dead, he commissions his church. They go out and they start preaching. And the apostle Paul was sent to go preach to Israel. And he starts preaching to Israel. And they love it. They're eating it up. Nom, 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 nom. This is awesome. They're buying the, the series on, on CD. If you're like 25 or under, a CD is a small metallic disc that we used to listen to music Sorry. <clears throat> and they just love, they love the new sermon series from the Apostle. They just love it. And Paul says, I'm glad you love it because, listen, God's just called me to expand the ministry. They're like, yes. I'm going to start preaching to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Murder him. Literally. They were so focused on them and their own little world and what they had going on that they turned inward, they got narrow, they started to hate the people that God had called them to love. Wow. And we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. You know what I see in the church? A lot of times we're ministers of offense. We'll foster our pet political advisor's offense, or our, uh, our, our pet teacher or preacher on, on, on social media. We'll, we'll adopt their offense and we'll take their little battle on. Here's a great test to see whether or not you're a person who's a minister of reconciliation or not, or whether you're off base, off mission. Are you known more for your vaccine status than whether or not you're a follower of Jesus? You talk more about a, a documentary that you watch than about St. John? Friend, I like that documentary, by the way. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. Are you known more for that? Here's another test. Are your political positions more known life than that you're a Jesus follower. They know everything that's wrong in the world by looking at your social media or what's right in your life and how God is making crooked places straight. Do you police Facebook and grill sinners and are you the sin police in people's lives? Boy, it's a quiet, quiet Sunday at this Presbyterian church. It hurts me too. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. But too many of us are ministers of offense. And what we need to do is get off the other stuff. It's all true. You can talk about it. But get on mission with God. 
Fourth thing, what happens when you're off mission? Write it down. Friends go to hell. Friends go to hell. Friends you know, friends you don't know. The people in your city go to hell. We don't talk about hell, I think, as much as we should in the Christian church in America. As much as we possibly should. But all those who choose Satan's rebellion get Satan's reward. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, hell, the, the law of sin and death came on their hearts. God made a way, he made a temporary way in the Old Testament, just a covering for sin. And in the New Testament through Jesus, he washes away our old nature and our sin make all things new in our heart. But here's what I'm trying to say. When we don't live out God's mission, many of us are just happy-go-lucky. You leave for church and you're playing the belonging company or hill songs and you're belting it out like Mariah Carey got saved. And you're just, you're singing it in your car, hallelujah, you know, you're driving and you're driving past a neighborhood that God told you to love those people. You're driving past these people and they're going to hell. You already know it when you drive past them and they make a mistake. You're like, y'all going to hell? I mean, like, you know it, and it's funny, but it's not. It actually has incredible consequence that we live in our own little bubble and we do our own little thing, but there are people around us that don't have the freedom that we have. And although in American culture it is a value of ours to appear as though we have it all together, friend, listen, they don't have Jesus. They have nothing. They have nothing, and they are lost without him. And so friends, go to hell. Now, the greater world around us needs Jesus, and it's time for us to get back on mission. Here's what happens when Christians get on mission. Jot these down. Number one, first thing that's going to happen, friends are going to get eternal life. Say amen on that. People who you know, people who you don't know. The lost are found. The dead are raised to newness of life. Hell is emptied. Heaven is populated. How? When Christians get on mission. When it's not just all about us, friends get eternal life. Number two, what happens when we get on mission? Write it down. Sin fades. Sin fades. One of the common questions that I get from some of the older saints that come by New Chapel, they're like, well, Pastor Joe, okay, you're, it's a very evangelistic church. I see that we're trying to reach people. But does this church care about holiness? Friend, let me tell you something. We care deeply. But here's what I found. I've talked with people here at this church that have found freedom in Jesus. And I've talked to them. And when I'm talking to those people who are free, I'm talking about from pet sins, from hidden things nobody saw, from depression that was evident that they still put their little church face on when they came by the church. When they got free from all of that junk, do you know what happened? <laughs> they said, I didn't even notice that it was happening. I got a mission with God. I started serving on the GO team. I went by that small group. I started inviting friends and family to church. I literally forgot to go sin. It was a thing that I used to do, but now I don't do it. It just happened in my life. Exactly, sin fades. It fades. It loses its glitter, its luster. It, it loses its appeal when you're on mission with God. Third thing, write it down. What happens when Christians get on mission? God is glorified. When people bow their knee to Jesus, when the lost are found, when you as an everyday normal person start to do something that used to make you terrified, when you become a person who, who seeks God, when we see the nations repent and turn from their wicked ways and turn to Jesus, friend, I'm here to tell you that our God is glorified in heaven. That's what happens when Christians are on mission. And then number four, write this down. What happens when we get on mission? We flourish. 
oh, this is what you need. But you think you can just come to church and put down the check marks. I just want to become a better person. Friends, Christianity doesn't work like that. Try Buddhism. I think that they're having great like results with making people better, being very docile, chilled out. Christianity is not a code of conduct. It is not meant to necessarily make you become pacified peace. It'll give you a peace that passes understanding. So I offer you today a cross. On the other end of that, you can flourish. On the other end of that cross, life can be made new. On the other end of that cross, you can become a better person. What does it cost? Nothing. It's a free gift. What does it cost? Everything. (laughs) It's a free gift and it's very, very costly. And I fear that in the evangelical church, we made it into a spell that you can just say a quick little prayer and then, got it, I'm an evangelical now. Christmas trees and Easter eggs, it is. Friend, let me tell you something. You give everything to your God and you get everything in return. He who wants to find his life loses it. If you're just looking for life, let me tell you something. You're not going to find it. You'll lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, that is where you'll find it. If you want joy, lead somebody to Jesus. You want to become alive? Let God's goodness shine through you. You want an adventure? Live on mission. My invitation is this, a cross, but on the other end of it, a resurrection, so you can become fully and truly alive. One quote to share with you from the old church father, Irenaeus, the glory of God is man fully alive. How do we become fully alive, Pastor Joe? I'm so glad you asked. It's found in a relationship with God through Jesus. We become born again. We become changed from the inside out, restored into walking in relationship with him, and then we're sent on mission as disciples to multiply the great thing God has done in us into other people. We go on mission. That's where your freedom is found. That's where your joy is found. It is the missio day. Lord, bless you keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, I love you. Thank you. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.